600! Welcome to the 600 Club! Very nice! Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia, and thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It is an incredible pleasure to be on board today, because you heard the number at the beginning there. This is the 600th total podcast of my career. It's unbelievable. Um, I am just, <laughs> I'm just honored beyond belief to tell you that I've done 600 podcasts, 600 productions, put onto iTunes in some way, shape, or form, and it is just <laughs> insane. Uh, yes, of course, we're going to talk about the divisional playoffs, and we're going to preview the AFC and NFC championship games. I did go four and zero for this week for my predictions from last week. All that, so. I guess I'm kind of proud of that in a way. Um, I'm not happy with everybody that won necessarily, but, eh, you know, it's okay. I'm happy with most of them, I suppose. Most of them. But all the predictions were right. Um, There it is. The two teams that won on Saturday, I liked to win. The two teams that won on Sunday, not so much. But very quickly, let's talk about the 600th episode. And, you know, sometimes I push this later into the show, but this is such a huge number, and it's just so insane. Um, (laughs) I want to thank... Dick Bramer and Bert Blylevin for those highlights, right? No, I'm... <laughs> hey, you know, I had to get something, right? No, and it's... Why not have a Minnesota uh, connection to it? 600 episodes. Just insane. I mean, it's been a long time. We started uh, with Paladino Live on the sportsstuff.com way back in 2008, January, late January 2008. The first episode of Paladino Live was a preview of the Super Bowl up and coming with the underdog New York Giants, who had just beaten the Packers. Brett Favre's interception, his infamous interception. And then, uh, of course, the undefeated New England Patriots. I had the Patriots winning in a narrow margin. I thought the uh, Giants would make it extremely interesting. Little did we know just how interesting it would be and how much of a miracle performance it ended up becoming. Uh, and, of course, quite a story. That was nine years ago. Um, that's insane as we head closer and closer to the Super Bowl. So it is just an incredible feeling to be here and to just to acknowledge how long it's been. And it's crazy to think about, honest to God. Um, January 28th, 2008, and then you had Purple Mafia start the same year. I started getting ideas. Hey, like, you know, it looked like anytime I talked about the Vikings on Paladino Live, the numbers went sky high. At least for that time, they went sky high. <laughs> Purple Mafia was officially founded on uh, April 25th, 2008. It's been that long, and this is uh, 237 episodes later. Insane. Uh, and then it's like Paladino Live, I, I would talk about the Wild, the Wolves, and the Twins on that show, so no more Vikings, so we switch over to that. We keep moving around, and then I decided later on, let's dump Pal- Paladino Live. It seems like it's just too general of a show. It might not draw a whole lot of interest, I think. I mean, because, like, who the hell is Paladino Joey? You know what I mean? Like, people aren't necessarily going to come to that. They might come to it without a Timberwolves podcast, a Wild podcast, Minnesota Wild podcast, and then we had to come up with names. 
And then I figured Brave the Wild would be a tough one to come up with, or Brave the Wild. I figured, what am I going to come up with? And we just thought about it. And then my coworker, Nicholas Nyland, years ago when I worked in service in 2008, he just all of a sudden says, Brave the Wild. And I'm like, oh my God, that's pretty good. Hell yeah. So we went on with Brave the Wild. <laughs> that was pretty cool. We'll talk about that one in a second because Timberwolves Explosion actually came out first. Me and my friend Paul, Paul Tuniverse Caniff, who was later moved to Seattle. I missed him a lot. Met him in 1999. We've hung out for a long time, but haven't seen him ever since he moved to Seattle. I've been too lazy to fly there, too lazy, too cheap, right? <laughs> and I hate the Seahawks. All that good stuff. We start out Timberwolves Explosion. How exciting was that? I was I, I couldn't wait to do a Timberwolves podcast. August the 14th, 2008. And then just one episode later, I had my first ever guest ever. And that ended up being Marcus the Forecaster. And, and the second episode, I figured we talk about basketball so much. And then there he was on the Timberwolves Explosion. We had him on and off for a while. And then he was on you know, on a permanent basis for a long time. And it got too difficult to get him on. So I just kind of went back to solo. But hopefully sometimes he'll be back on. But that show's had some incredible runs. It actually has the most listened to episode of all time. It reached about just under 60,000 listeners, which is off the charts, way ahead of like normal, anything normal I've done. Um, just insane numbers for the, two, uh, the 2012 season preview. People were really excited, anticipating Rubio and Love, all that. And then, of course, things kind of spiraled later on with Kevin Love's injuries and down went the numbers in a hurry. Uh, it's had up and down, all that, and it's been fun. But really, again, um, that 60000 was just an incredible feeling. I still don't know what happened, what helped that happen, but it was a hell of a fun show. Brave the Wild, a couple of weeks later, in August 2008, was started. Now, of course, Timberwolves Explosion is at 187 listeners. Or, excuse me, 187 listeners. Yeah, it better be a little better than that, but... 187 uh, episodes, Brave the Wild at 138 at this point. August 24th is when it was founded, 2008, and I've had Neil Nate Dog Thiesing on on occasion, particularly during the uh, the previews and such. But for a while there, he was he was a bit of a permanent guest, kind of in and out, and always hard to get guests on the shows. It's just hard. You know, I worked a weird I work a weird schedule sometimes. Other people, and especially international, like to get Australians on Timberwolves Explosion. It's not the easiest thing to do. Have a lot of friends from Australia that love Timberwolves Explosion and actually they've listened to Purple Mafia and Brave the Wild. I want to thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. The uh, Vince Germanos, Tene Browns, and others. Benny Allen, who I met not too long ago, who's a hockey fan, likes Brave the Wild. But here on Purple Mafia, this has been overall the big show, you could say, even though Brave the Wild and especially Timberwolves Explosion has had some huge, huge uh, positivity over the years. Uh, huge positivity over the years. Uh, with with the numbers, but they they fluctuate because the fan base in this town has always fluctuated. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul has long been known as a fair weather fan town, and that's not ripping anybody because I really appreciate those of you that have stuck with this show for as long as you have. Um, April twenty fifth, two thousand eight. I couldn't get over my excitement to start this show back then. Um, maybe we'll have some type of anniversary when it gets to be 10 years too. But uh, I, I wasn't going to go live. I wasn't going to go put it on video or anything. Some people do that when it's a big milestone and it's really fun and exciting. But, I, you know, I, 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 one day maybe I'll do something like that. But for the most part, I, I don't know. I kind of have a hard time with that type of thing. I can do it. with. I, I think I can do it. But it's hard to put something like that together and, you know, it's just, and it's like you want to bring people on and all that. And again, it's it's hard to get schedules together. And 
you just you, you never know when people are going to be able to come on board. So it's things like that. I apologize for that, though. I don't mean to be lazy. I don't mean to be impersonal, all that. I, I might seem a bit odd sometimes when I don't. <laughs> I've never really met people off air, at least not too many of you. And I, I really apologize for that. And I'd like to meet some of you very soon and uh, one of these days. And I, it's certainly absolutely nothing personal. I want to thank you guys so much. I mean, I could go on forever on all the great names for Purple Mafia. I mean, I can list just a few here and there. The Brent Jacobsons, Mark Carlson's, Gerald String. Um, Sebastian Balls, Sebastian Barton, you know, it's the same guy, but he's had mul- <laughs> with the different last names and such, so God bless him. Um, so many more, Malcolm McSween, uh, Anthony Batista, who I haven't heard from in a while, uh, of course, Dave Martin, who's fantastic, uh, Dave Hickey, you know, guys out of Iowa, you got guys out of Scotland, like Dave, uh, Dave Martin, who's also known as Mad Martin, and Mad Martin's Mad Takes, yep, we'll talk about that in the third segment, the fan interaction, I mean, I could list the names forever. Uh, Justin Mayer, Henry, Brett McCarthy. Uh, you guys have been great. Um, there's so many more. Of course, Tony Coleman goes back as far as anybody. And how could I ever not mention him in a 600th show? I mean, of course, Tony Coleman is, is, uh, is you could say he's the original Purple Mafia follower that I've known about. That I've known about. I mean, people are out there, of course. But you're the first one I ever really met online uh, in any form and it's just I want to thank you so much out of South Dakota Tony Coleman for being so loyal to the show for as long as you have that is just awesome I mean I believe I met him during the 2009 season and if it's earlier please forgive me that was on the sportsstuff.com I want to thank Dylan Richardson so much for making this possible 600 episodes all on the sportsstuff.com talk about loyal I mean I got not Kevin Garnett you got nothing on me buddy when you talk about being loyal right <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm not here to brag or boast or call myself a good guy, but I, I try to be a good guy. Um, again, just want to thank everybody so much. And I do apologize that I haven't gotten into the NFL just yet. I just wanted to get this going with the 600th, a little teeny celebration to start things out. Um, please be understanding about this. I just want to, I mean, Some of you, again, the Vikings aren't playing, so some of you probably don't care about the postseason. Most of you that are listening right now are diehard Purple Mafia followers, so you probably do appreciate what I'm getting into at the moment. Um, and I'm trying, I'm definitely trying not to leave anybody out, like names that have been so kind to this show for so long. And I'll probably try to continue to mention more and more over the course of time. I, I, I mentioned most of the ones, though, that you see frequently on here um, and, and in the past that I haven't seen in a while, which is kind of a bummer. Hope you guys come back. I remember Bryce was a wonderful caller couple times in a row and then he disappeared the first ever caller long ago back in 09 was uh jason from delta i don't know if he's ever listened again i, I uh, delta's in iowa uh sounded like a cool guy he called in about three four shows in a row and then just vanished off the face of the earth um ali also a real cool guy i met the past couple of years good po- uh good <laughs> poster on pro football spot he talks about the vikings on there uh, a blogger very good at it indeed so again thank all of you so much for being so loyal to Purple Mafia for, was it, 237 episodes now. It has been an absolute pleasure to bring the show to you and to be around doing this for 600 episodes is insane. Don't know if any of you out there have listened to all 600. I have because I always listen back to my shows for quality control. And just, you know, it's just fun to hear to hear you guys' names also as well. Hear me talking with you guys and just my relationships. And when you listen to older shows, like, like whoa, where's he been? You know, that type of thing. So... <laughs> <laughs> you could go on forever with that too. Um, 
But let's let's get on with things if we can, and I'll probably possibly get into some more later, and maybe possibly if I met, uh, forgot to mention some names also to say thank you to you personally right here on Pearl Mafia. So let's talk about the weekend, a much more positive weekend in terms of, well, watchability. Not everything was great. Uh, the first two games on Saturday, not necessarily the best uh, performances in anything, but um, at least I'm happy with who won. Uh, it's not like I hate Houston, but I do hate Seattle. Atlanta took care of business like they did two years ago. This one, much more convincing. It didn't look good starting out, though, and that doggone Russell Wilson, and he's always able to break loose. He's always able to complete passes, and I can't stand that freaking Baldwin. He is so arrogant. Russell Wilson plays with an arrogance. Baldwin flaunts his arrogance, and I can't stand him. Richard Sherman flaunts his arrogance. I can't stand him. Constantly talking all the time, and it doesn't make him look good. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, though, coming into Atlanta, looked pretty strong early, and I was concerned... And then all of a sudden, Matt Ryan started to get in stride, and that Seattle offense started to kind of show some flaws, and the Atlanta defense started taking advantage of it. Uh, Russell Wilson was sacked for a safety, basically fell backwards. That started the, that started the trend. As Seattle was up 10-7 to at that point, uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones had connected for a touchdown earlier. Russell Wilson had connected to Jimmy Graham very early in the game. 7 nothing. Seattle kind of having their way and burning the clock, all that, and that frickin' Rawls getting through the Atlanta front line. That was kind of scary, a little bit scary early on, but then it seemed like there was nothing going for Rawls after that. Starting things out, though, it was like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. But Atlanta basically, after that, got in stride. Matt Ryan was completing passes like crazy, and Russell Wilson kind of got more and more reckless, always trying to look for that magic wand, making that miracle play, running free, and then, oh, zinging it down the field. But oftentimes there was nothing there, or he would throw it into coverage and it would be intercepted. Ultimately, two interceptions for Russell Wilson on the day. 225 yards, completion percentage 56.7. Not the best. He was sacked three times. Matt Ryan looked like a playoff quarterback. Looked like the guy he's wanted to be for a long time. Because he's had a reputation of a, of a guy who's not won in the postseason. But he certainly got the job done here. And he is 2-0 and against the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs. So, big props to Matt Ryan. Um, Seattle's not... The 2013 Seahawks or the 2014 Seahawks, but they're still dangerous. You never know what's going to happen with these guys. They're frustrating to play against. There's always that damn magic wand, and that defense is a bunch of angry, bitter, jackassian players. They really are. Um, Bennett, after the game, Michael Bennett getting an attitude with a reporter, and it's just, I, you know, I'm not impressed. Michael Bennett got a huge attitude when um, the Patriots had just gotten the interception in the Super Bowl and they were trying to kneel the ball down and run the clock and Bennett and all, just literally looking for a fight the whole time. And it's like, okay, I understand you're frustrated and you're mad, but you're overdoing it. Are, are the Patriots talking that much smack to you or are you guys the ones talking smack? And now, and now you have to eat crow and you can't handle it. That is, that is what I think the Seattle Seahawks have been for quite a while. It's too much. Um, Richard Sherman, remember the whole... Daryl Revis, 2-1, what happened? You know, it's like for a touchdown. It's like, give me a break. Give me a break. Um, Richard Sherman, you got beat in that game. (laughs) Tom Brady passed for a lot of yards in that Super Bowl, and he kind of got what he deserved there. So good for him. Atlanta defense significantly better with Dan Quinn as the uh, head coach. Gotta like what Mr. Quinn has done there. It's a shame thinking about this maybe could have been the Vikings in this game, hosting the Seattle Seahawks or maybe Detroit or whoever. Well, it would have been Detroit early on. Maybe we would have had to play Seattle, which would have been a little scary. 
or we would have been playing Atlanta, possibly. And that's very possible, actually, in the, uh, in the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Had things been a little different for the Vikings, just if we finished 11-5, and five, we would have won the division and been hosting a first-round bye. 11-5 <clears throat> usually doesn't give you a first-round bye, but this year it did. And Atlanta looking like a legitimate playoff team, and good on them. Good on them beating this, this combustive, crazy, jackassian Seattle team. They end up winning at 36-20. to 20. Certainly a lot further of a separation than I expected in this one. Really nice to see Julio Jones. That guy's as good a receiver as there is in the league. Always gets hurt, though. Luckily, it looks like he'll be okay going into the uh, NFC title game, and he better be ready to go because the team on the other side is going to have some tricks up their sleeve because they are just... Uh, it's it's frightening to see what they're able to accomplish right now. But um, good on the Atlanta Falcons taking care of business against the Seattle Seahawks or Sea Chickens or whatever you want to call them. Talk about taking care of business again Saturday, January the 14th. New England Patriots hosted the Houston Texans. Okay, it took a little effort in this one. It did. And things weren't going so great at the beginning of this game. And it was kind of like a Mike Zimmer-like type of game, too. Where maybe your offense, though, under Sam Bradford, looks pretty good early on, and it looked pretty easy for Brady and the Patriots early on to make it 7 nothing in the game. Ellen ended up getting a drive to Deion Lewis into the end zone for a touchdown, 7 nothing, And then Houston kind of hanging in there, kind of hanging in there, making it interesting. They were forcing Brady into some, well, into some incompletions. They were knocking the ball down. They were hitting him hard, and it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> They end up getting, they end up keeping themselves in the game as their offense couldn't do a whole lot early. Patriots end up taking a 14 to 3 lead after a Deion Lewis, after he had rushed into the end zone, or, uh, excuse me, received the pass into the end zone because he got three different types of touchdowns in this game, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, he was able to return the kickoff. So again, offense, defense, special teams, that's what the Patriots are. And, you know, it didn't have to be Tom Brady doing everything in this game. As Dean Lewis was able to return the kick 98 yards to Paydirt, no flags on the play, and the Patriots are up 14-3. to Houston a bit shell-shocked because they've been playing good defense in that first quarter. Now it's 14-3. to Then Houston gets really aggressive, starts to get themselves right back in the game, knocking the ball down, interceptions for Tom Brady. He ended up with two interceptions in the game in that first half, which shocked a lot of us because he had two interceptions all season, which is off the charts, insane. Brock Osweiler actually looked kind of decent early on. Houston could not get in the end zone the first time around, but they did the second time around after the Brady interception. And next thing you know, it's 14-3, to and Brady looked a bit frustrated. That's without a doubt. Could not get his club into the end zone at the end of the half, but at least they're able to add a field goal. So, okay, they're up by four. That's great, I suppose. And then Brock Osweiler's completion percentage and all that kind of went out the window. Brady, or excuse me, the, the, the New England defense started to get serious. And then Brady had a very nice drive, putting New England up 24-13. to 13. Novak would add another field goal late in the third fourth quarter, but they're still trailing by eight. But at least they're still in the game. And then Osweiler would throw a couple more interceptions. I, I mean, the first one was tipped, the, the second one anyway, we'll say, was tipped in the air from DeAndre Hopkins. It's like, you want to say, okay, that might not be Osweiler's fault, but it was. It was horribly overthrown. And it's like, mm, just the accuracy not there. I don't know if he was looking for Hopkins to get deeper on the play, but I think Osweiler was kind of overestimating where that ball needed to be on that play. He thought Hopkins might be able to break loose. 
But sometimes the defender doesn't allow that, and that's what took place there. Overthrown, tipped, and intercepted. Next thing you know, the Patriots are getting down the field, and Deion Lewis would complete a trifecta of, of three different types of touchdowns. He had, caught, he had a nice receiving touchdown early in the game where Brady was really sharp at the beginning. And then he had, again, the special teams touchdown, and then he'd rushed it in. So three touchdowns total for Deion Lewis for you fantasy playoff football. No, okay, no, I'm just kidding. People, I think that exists out there. But when Deion Lewis had rushed that thing in, it was all but pretty much over. As Osweiler, again, out of control, another interception very late in the game, started screaming and yelling. I don't know if he's mad at his receiver or mad at himself, but it, I, I don't know. I don't know who he was. I don't know if he was yelling at the receiver or himself, but obviously extreme frustration. The ball traveled further than it needed to again at this day, at that point, and that pretty much was all she wrote. Sebastian Goskowski was able to nail yet another field goal to make it 34 16 midway through the fourth quarter, and then things kind of went away from there, and the clock was run down, and the Patriots went 34-16, so kind of close to what I was expecting. I had a 38-13 score, so basically about what it is. Um, not the prettiest game for the Patriots, but still, they just freaking won the game. They just uh, won that game, so that's all that matters at that point. <laughs> they just won the freaking football game, and there it is. Here come the Patriots off to the AFC title game, their sixth consecutive AFC title game. For the New England Patriots, that is an all-time record. Congratulations to them. Let's get to, well, let's talk about the Pittsburgh-Kansas City game first. You want to go in chronological order, but, eh, you know, this was black and blue football. It was field goal fest. It really was. Kansas City did score a touchdown, though, in the first quarter. They did, so it wasn't all field goals. Pittsburgh had all field goals, though. If Chris Boswell was your, was your boss well, pardon me, was your fantasy kicker at any point, and he had a game like this. My God. I mean, how do you not win that game? 18 points for Chris Boswell, and of course a strong, solid defense for the Kansas City Chiefs. Both quarterbacks forced into interceptions. Chiefs' defense was good. Pittsburgh's defense was good. Pittsburgh defense hasn't, I mean, hadn't been as good in the uh, during the season as it was in the past, but it's picking up when it needs to in the postseason. And LeVon Bell, again, you know, despite, you know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't bad, but he certainly wasn't great. Um, quarterback rating only 72.5. Completion percentage almost 65, so it wasn't bad, but certainly not like the, certainly not the longest type of passes, though. Only two sacks in the game. It was mostly just pass defense. And Alex Smith about what you expect in a playoff game. That's why you don't look at him as any type of a long-term quarterback for your team. And he's not getting any younger either at this point. He's in his 30s already. You know, just a completion percentage, 58.8. Quarterback rating, 69.7. One touchdown, one interception. Just just adds up to a whole lot of mediocrity. And this was not a very fun game to watch. It really wasn't. Um, LeVon Bell, though, if you like that, if you like Smash Mouth football, LeVon Bell absolutely is getting it done and. If the Pittsburgh Steelers win the Super Bowl, I have a feeling LeVon Bell will have a lot to do with it. Um, Antonio Brown was fantastic also with a key catch late in the game to wrap things up. Kansas City had a chance to tie this game, but they couldn't convert on the two-point conversion. Just a big hold there. I mean, it would have been a... It absolutely, there was a good chance there could have been a sack on the play by James Harrison, but he was held. It would have been the second sack of the game for Harrison if he got to Alex Smith. But I, I don't know. It was definitely an obvious hold, and it looked like an easy two-point conversion. But then, you know, you're, you're going to tie the game, and you can't. And then you can't convert the second time around. And Kansas City basically was screwed at that point because Pittsburgh basically ran the ball down 
their throat. And of course, the completion on third down was all she wrote because at that point, the Pittsburgh Steelers, all they had to do pretty much was kneel down and run the clock out. Really a heartbreaker for Kansas City. I, I feel for their fan base there at Arrowhead Stadium. That is a bitter, bitter defeat, man. I mean, <laughs> you lose by just giving up a ton of field goals. Six field goals in the game. They don't even get in the end zone once, do the Steelers, even with a good running game like that. And you still lose the game. It's just disappointing. Um, Kansas City, I think, needs a better solution at quarterback. Tony Romo very likely will be available. There's multiple places where this guy could go. Uh, possibly Houston, if they're, they're, they're he definitely got issues with Brock Osweiler's contract. I have no idea what they were thinking with that expensive contract. I, I don't know what that was. Kansas City, though, needs to look at uh, uh, Tony Romo type of quarterback. It's not necessarily all Alex Smith's fault, but he's not getting the job done. At a, at a big more, at a, he's 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 not a big time quarterback for this team. And if the Chiefs are going to be serious about finally getting to the Super Bowl again for the first time since 1969, where they did beat the Vikings, unfortunately, uh, they're going to need a Tony. They're going to need Tony Romo or somebody else, somebody with a, with a brighter future to be the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. Romo, of course, doesn't have the best playoff history either, but he certainly is a big time quarterback still in this league. We'll see what happens with them, with the Kansas City Chiefs. But um, <clears throat> that's the difference. There you have a Ben, ben Roethlisberger or an Alex Smith. And it is kind of sad because they still might have won that game, Kansas City, if not for the hold. It's just if just imagine if Alex Smith was good. They might have won the game 31-16. to 16, Who knows? Or 31-18, to 18, pardon me, could have the Chiefs. But not going for this uh, athletic and talented Kansas City team that could just not get past this grinded-out, black-and-blue football Pittsburgh Steelers, and they got it done. The, the Bumblebees or the Yellow Jackets, whatever you want to call them. I think when they wear their white jerseys, their Yellow Jackets, and when they're at home with the black ones, they're, they're Bumblebees. That's basically what they look like, especially the offensive linemen look like Bumblebees, I think. <laughs> but then easily the game of the week. The game of the week, which was a little bit earlier in the day, slightly earlier in that afternoon, the classic 3 o'clock, 3.30 time period of the of, of the Sunday here. Uh, boy, um, this was something else. You know, it looked like either team could win this game. Dallas looked solid early, but then they couldn't get they couldn't they couldn't get things done. There were penalties, they made dumb plays, they made some early mistakes, like almost like they were nervous. They went up with only a field goal on a drive that should have probably been more positive. And then Aaron Rodgers gets tricky and he and he forces the, the he forced the Cowboys into too many men on the field because they saw it was a sub they're making a substitution at an inopportune time. Rodgers just hurls the ball on the air, gets the playoff, and guess what? Too many men on the field. It puts the Packers deeper. Next thing you know, it's seven three Green Bay. Dallas continuing to struggle, all of a sudden making mistakes. It's fourteen to three Dallas before they could even get in their seats in that second quarter. Fourteen to three Green Bay leading Dallas, and then Cowboys again can't do anything. Dak Prescott struggles. Ty Montgomery gets two two rushing touchdowns, 21-3 Green Bay. And then you got something that looks like a blowout. Next thing you know, Dallas finally gets serious, and they have a very aggressive drive down the field. A very quick one as well. Dak Prescott hitting Des Bryant for a 40-yard touchdown. Big play there. Just a couple of plays. That's all it took to get that drive down the field. It's like, hey, our season's over if we don't score on this play. And then the Cowboys have to settle for a field goal. At the end of the second quarter, kind of similar to the end of the fourth quarter, but yeah. <laughs> but it puts the Cowboys with an eight, so you got something going there. Next thing you know, Aaron Rodgers marching down the field again as the Packers get the ball to start up the second half. So it's like, this is not going well for Dallas at all. But then in that fourth quarter, things completely turn as Aaron Rodgers 
is forced into an interception. He was blaming his receiver. You could tell that. Like, he's not going where he wants him to go. And there were big... There was an... <laughs> and it got Dallas back in the game. It was a total momentum changer in a huge way. And then the next time around, Aaron Rodgers is sacked. And he was even more upset, yelling again, like, what has going on? He wanted his receiver to go a certain direction. He wanted his receiver to do something. It, it cost a tiny bit more time for Rodgers. And next thing you know, he was on the ground. And then Dallas marches down the field again, and you have a tie football game. Just a game of runs in that fourth quarter was unbelievable. You have a tie football game when it was 28-13, just, just about, you know, like half a quarter ago. Incredible turn of events in that fourth quarter. Oh, man, something else. I'm Green Bay. Getting a drive going again, drawing stupid penalties from Dallas. Just mistake after mistake from the Cowboys. It's a miracle that they even were in this game with some of the mistakes that they were making. Just a terrible penalty on Butler, which took the Cowboys from... It ended up being a 37-yard difference. It would have been a huge gain for the Cowboys. They would have been beyond in field goal range. They might have gotten in the end zone. They ended up having to settle for a 52-yard field goal. Butler just screwing the Cowboys over in this game on that play. Mason had made a 56-yarder after the Packers just, you know, could not get far enough. I mean, it's like you figure you got to score a touchdown to wrap this game up. Like, somebody's going to have to score a touchdown, but then again, maybe it doesn't have to go that way. Mason Crosby nailing a 56-yarder like it's nothing. He just looks so determined, making his 20-second uh, consecutive field goal. And then the Cowboys mount an impressive drive. They could go out, they could win this game, and then they keep running the clock down, the clock just ticked too quickly for him, and then they they spiked the ball on first down, which drew a lot of questions there when they were in field goal range around the 35-yard line, and then couldn't do anything after that, pretty much. Um, and they ran out of downs. It got to be fourth down because the passes were incomplete. The Cowboys couldn't do anything with it, and they were running out of they were out of timeouts. There's nothing they could do in that situation. They they kick a 52-yarder. Okay, they tied the game. Nice kick by Dan Bailey. But there's still 35 seconds left on the clock. And what do you think happens? Of course, a couple of completions by Aaron Rodgers. It looked like the Cowboys might be able to stop them. But then Rodgers throws the ball. He he threads it, threads the needle to Cook, who did a Chris Carter play. Yes, it looked like when the play happened, he was clearly out of bounds. And then, no, he wasn't out of bounds. I mean, it's just, no, he wasn't out of bounds. He was falling out of bounds, but he was able to keep his toes on the line, inside, inside bounds, and it was a, and it was literally a Chris Carter type of catch. Crosby kicks the field goal, and all of a sudden you hear a whistle, but the ball was, but the ball was like kicked. It was literally a split second before the ball was kicked. It was a pretty, pretty perfect kick from Crosby, who would make his twenty-third consecutive field goal. But guess what? Timeout, Dallas. And then he kicks the ball again. Looked like he hooked it left. Oh my God! We're going to OT. No, it just kind of changed back. I don't even know how that works. I don't know. I mean, there's no wind in there, was there? There's no wind indoors, is there? And the ball went back right where it wanted to go, where it needed to go, and it stayed through the uprights, and the Packers advance to their second NFC title game in the last uh, three years now. That's incredible. Uh, they, were, they ended up losing to Seattle after taking a huge lead. Multiple interceptions by Rodgers in that one. And then Seattle with their magic wand bullcrap. And then, of course, the uh, squid kick and all that. And that knocked Green Bay out. 
It's like, I didn't like either team when it came to Seattle Green Bay. So it's just, you know, it was annoying to watch either team win that game. (laughs) But it was a very entertaining game two years ago. This one was definitely no different. I felt really bad for the Cowboys, though. I mean, what a great season, and now they're done again. And it's crazy to think of what a storied franchise the Cowboys have been. You always see Dallas in the playoffs back in the day, and it's like they always win. Ugh, they always go all the way. So it's like you have a side of you that wants to root against them. But then it's Green Bay on the other side. Oh, crap. You don't want them to win, do you? You don't want to hear the bull crap out of people's mouths all day, do you? You really don't want to hear it uh, out of Packer fans' mouths. I mean, and it's like they have everything. We have nothing. <laughs> they make the playoffs. They go on runs like this. And they make com- they make complete plays, and they knock out top seeds on the road. And here we are just sitting, watching. And that's all we get to do. And then we're the top seed. We're like the Dallas Cowboys. The top seed... After a great season, and next thing you know, we're watching. We're watching. Just like the Cowboys will be next week. Either watching or not watching. Boycotting. (laughs) Um, Dak Prescott was very impressive for a rookie quarterback in a big playoff game like that. Going against a quarterback that could complete a pass in his sleep, it appears. We're starting out the year, and for the longest time, things were not going well with Rodgers and his receivers. There There was poor chemistry. The coach and the quarterback were not on the same page. It looked like somebody was going to leave, and it was most likely going to be Mike McCarthy. There's no way that's happening now. Um, Whatever it was, Aaron Rodgers has regained the form that we've all known, and we've hated very much here in Minnesota. He has regained it, and he's completing passes in his sleep at this point. No matter how good the defense is, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how high the stakes are, no matter how unlikely you're going to complete a pass in that situation, and it's happening. And... I don't know. Again, I mean, there's a reason why I picked this team to go to the Super Bowl. It's not because I like them, but it's because I know they can do it. And I'm not saying it in support of them. I just know they can do it. I know they can do it. And unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. Um, We're going to talk about that in the second segment as we preview the two games. So the the second segment will be shorter, but it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about as we talk about the conference finals. But this game definitely took the cake. Improved after a horrible weekend of football last week. I mean, there was nothing to watch. I mean, Seattle rolled all over Detroit. Meh, whatever. Pittsburgh made Miami look like garbage. Kansas City obviously was off. New England was off. Blah, blah, blah. Atlanta was off. And uh, so was Dallas. Green Bay just rolled all over the Giants. Made them look like sissies. It was horrible, at least in the second half. Whereas this one, Green Bay was kind of taking over the game and then the Cowboys came back. And that's how the Cowboys are all year. You're leading them, you're playing so well, and they come back and take it away from you. And that's why they were 13-3 and this year. But unfortunately for them, Green Bay, just a little bit more magic in that wand right now. And that's what took place today. Uh, that's what took place on Sunday. Dallas and Green Bay. Of course, the other matchups in the NFC last week just... You know, pretty much crap, right? I mean, Seattle rolling over Detroit. I already said that in Green Bay over Dallas. Yeah, or Green Bay over New York. So, whatever. They were not fun to watch. The AFC games were not fun to watch either. Houston crushing a Raider team that had just not been the same. And, of course, that defense at Houston was very impressive. And it, and it stymied Tom Brady, for the most part, for, for a little while there. So, luckily, Brady and, of course, the Patriots defense and special teams were able to put a team effort together and get themselves where they want to be. And that was their sixth consecutive AFC title game. Are they going back to the Super Bowl? We'll talk about that in the next segment.
are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, the conference final previews. Let's do it. Well, I guess we're going to have Green Bay and Atlanta first, so we'll start with that one, I suppose. Um, both, both of these games should be very good. Uh, these are legitimate matchups that deserve to be there. Uh, on Fox at 3.05, the Packers will head to Atlanta, Georgia. Time to get serious. Um, this was, I believe I was talking to my supervisor, soon to be his former supervisor, unfortunately, because Stephen Kings always move around at work, uh, Rob Kinsey. Uh, he's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I remember earlier in the season, or not Green Bay, but he's from Wisconsin, pardon me, like Madison, I believe. Um, the, we, the Packers and Falcons earlier this season played an extremely entertaining game. And it's like you figure this would be a really fun matchup in the in, in, a, in the playoffs games, maybe a second round or, God forbid, maybe even the, the NFC title game. And that's where we're at now. NFC title game, Atlanta and Green Bay. It was a very entertaining, high-scoring matchup, and I expect the same thing once again. Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, there's definitely a mutual respect. And really, every one of these quarterbacks remaining in these conference finals, I have legitimate uh, hopes to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Rodgers very likely will be there. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady might get in early the way he's been, but then again, everybody wants to hate on him because of what took place during the season. It, it, that just kind of is what it is, I suppose. Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, previous week where uh, earlier in the season where Green Bay and Atlanta played. That was a fun matchup. Uh, we'll get to that eventually. But uh, this was dude, this game has all the makings of some great football. It'll probably be very close. Whoever loses this game, they're going to be remembering it for the rest of their life, sadly. you know. And uh, whoever wins this game, they'll remember it the rest of their life. It's, it's going to be a history-making type of performance, i got to believe. Still looking for that. <laughs> it was much earlier in the season, I do believe, but the Packers were playing decent at the time. There it was. There it is. Week 8, 33-32, Packers versus... Falcons in Atlanta, and the Falcons won by one point. It was so dramatic. Um, man, Atlanta had a 10-7 to lead. Green Bay took the lead in the second quarter, huge second quarter, and then eight more points the rest of the way for Green Bay, 14 in the second half for Atlanta, and they were able to edge it out by one point. Uh, Rodgers was phenomenal in the game, four touchdowns. Completion percentage was decent, but four touchdowns overall for him. Uh, Jordy Nelson was really starting to emerge at that point with 94 yards. Devontae Adams, all year, one of those super valuable receivers at 12 catches in the game. The Falcons, Matt Ryan had three touchdowns and a little bit more accurate and a little more yards, 288 yards in the game total. And, of course, he got the uh, the running back duo there in Atlanta. They combined together for, well, about, about 90 yards and a touchdown together. Um, receiving, you didn't see Julio Jones in this one because he always misses a couple games and he missed this game. But, oh, actually, no, he had three catches. He was just wasn't as visible in this one of that Green Bay secondary uh, shadowing him along the way. Only three catches, 29 yards. But Sanu and Gabriel both had big games. And even Freeman in the end zone, the running back for Atlanta. Two touchdowns for him total in the game. But only about 50, about 60 total yards for Freeman in the game. But, hey, two touchdowns. That's what matters most. And that's what helped the Atlanta Falcons win the game. The defenses weren't great in the game. It was all about a very exciting offense. and But the, the defense is timely for both teams. Atlanta's defense has improved during the course of the season, but their offense is elite. You have Julio Jones who can catch just about anything. Um, and when he does, I mean, you know, great things happen. Um, he can get he's capable of a 300-yard game. I don't think he'll be doing that against Green Bay. And the Packers are just a team on a mission right now. 
Their chances of getting to the Super Bowl are outstanding, and that's where I stand right now. I'm going to go with the same prediction I had way back at the beginning of the season. I did have Green Bay and Seattle, which I would have hated, but still, (laughs) Seattle almost made it, kind of, not really. Uh, Green Bay and Seattle in the NFC title game. Going to the with the Packers going to the Super Bowl, I thought they'd have a little bit better record, but hey, they got hot when it mattered, and they're going back to the Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned. I think this is going to be a very close game, similar to Dallas, but I think Green Bay will win this one by a touchdown late. I think they'll win it by a touchdown. I don't think it'll be quite as close as the one-point game. Falcons, though, I mean, they are going to be really good in the game. This is going to be, you know, it might actually be a field goal. I think it will be a field goal. You're going to see multiple touchdowns in that fourth quarter by each team. Uh, each team is going to score, well, yeah, you're going to, each team is going to at least score one touchdown in the fourth quarter, maybe two for, for one of the two, depending on the, the situation. I think Green Bay is going to win 38-35 in an extremely dramatic game. You'll see something of the likes of the Hail Mary miracle bullcrap that drives us all crazy, and you'll see other plays like threading the needle against three, two or three defenders in the end zone where Rodgers will deliver the pass to a Devontae Adams, to a Jared Cook. Um, maybe Jordy Nelson's ribs will be healthy enough as he's got multiple fractures right now. I kind of doubt he'll be back, but you never know. As for the Super Bowl, don't be surprised if Jordy Nelson comes back for that one. Not sure how effective he'll be because the pain is insane and you're not going to get a whole lot of sleep because, I mean, I bruised my ribs in 2015 when I fell very hard after slipping on ice on the pavement. They were badly bruised. They hurt like hell for over a month and I all nearly broke my wrist on that same fall. It was bad news. I, I, I don't remember if I talked about it, but I remember the Patriots that went on to win that game and I fell to the floor in excitement and was like hiding the extreme pain I had because the injury had taken place about a week before. Um, the Patriots are the other team I was talking about in the regular season. Um, And I also had the Patriots and the Steelers in the conference final at the beginning of the season. Listen back to the season preview. Green Bay, Seattle with the Packers, NFC champions. New England, Pittsburgh, AFC championship with the New England Patriots going to the Super Bowl and winning it. There, I already spoiled the story there. This is going to be a good game. The Pittsburgh Steelers will keep themselves very much in the game for a long period of time. But in the fourth quarter, I believe the Patriots will pull away, maybe even late in the third. But the Patriots, I think, are the better team. They find ways to win football games. The Patriots know how to win. The Steelers know how to win, too. But they weren't that great against Kansas City. And I think New England, well, I mean, Tom Brady, Alex Smith, hello. You also have LeGarrett Blunt, And, of course, yeah, you know he's so valuable. And then you even add Deion Lewis, who is so deadly when need be. Um, that guy can just drive you absolutely insane when he makes his plays. Uh, but then again, I'm, I'm on his side. We're, we're not enemies, Deion Lewis. So there you go. <laughs> Hopefully he can continue to get things done against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you know, I, I mean, when you have a guy who can make plays, get in the end zone when it matters, Deion Lewis could be one of those guys who's going to be a sneaky little hero in one of the playoff games. I mean, in either this one or the Super Bowl as things continue to develop. Uh, I would be very surprised and disappointed if the New England Patriots do not win the NFC Championship game at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are a good team, and if they get to the Super Bowl, they'll have earned it in a huge way. But I would feel at that point that the Patriots would have underachieved in that game. The Patriots are a significantly better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, all the respect to Chris Porter out there who likes the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not sure if he listens to Purple Mafia, but he does listen to Brave the Wild. And he's listened to it for many years, uh, kind of off and on, kind of slowly but surely. He'll catch up with them sometimes because he gets behind. I mean, we're all adults, busy schedules, all that. 
we all have a hell of a time keeping up with things. So it is what it is. Hopefully the audio wasn't choppy a few minutes ago there. I apologize. I was kind of talking about Dion Lewis. Things may have gotten choppy a bit there. I noticed things kind of looking funny on the screen here. So I apologize for that if that took place. But the Patriots should be able to defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they're just better. They have more weapons than the Steelers. LeVon Bell will be the reason why the Steelers win the game. If the Patriots just cannot bring him down, that is a huge key, obviously. The Patriots need to slow down LeVon Bell, keep him to at least 120. I mean, 170, my God. He had 170 against Miami and then another 170 against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I do feel if the Steelers win the Super Bowl, it'll be because of LeVon Bell. I mean, it's just you have possession, you're burning the clock and all that. You're just you're not giving the ball back to the other team. Um, but... At the same time, the Steelers can't afford to play slowdown type football against the Patriots because I think, sure, they'll run the clock and everything, but the Patriots will come back and score quickly. So I got to think the Patriots will win the game regardless if they own the possession or not. Just, it's all about the turnover battle. If Brady's throwing interceptions again, the Steelers' chances of winning the game are fantastic. But if Brady's protected properly and he's completing enough passes to the receivers around him like Edelman and others would like to see Floyd get more involved. You didn't see him too much so far in the playoffs. Like a little bit. He only had had one catch, three targets in the game for nine yards. Michael Floyd, I think, will emerge before all is said and done in this postseason. Um, Julian Edelman is as valuable as it gets. 137 yards against the Houston Texans, one of the best defenses in football. So I wouldn't expect anything different against the Steelers. Edelman, obviously, just paramount for the success of the New England Patriots. But don't be surprised to see Michael Floyd emerge in this game to help the... uh, New England Patriots win this one. Of course, you're going to need more from LeGarrette Blunt. Not so much going on in the in the uh, Houston game. Deion Lewis was a little bit better, a little bit, but not really, actually. LeGarrette Blunt, a little more, I mean, he's more powerful when it matters, but Blunt was stopped several times along the way in that first half when things started to get a little bit frustrating. So the Patriots, if they have a narrow lead, they're going to need to run that ball and burn that clock as best possible and move the chains forward. With that said, the Patriots, I do believe, again, will win the football game, but it'll be a fairly close one, 31-24. It'll be not the most entertaining game ever, but the Patriots will get the job done, 31-24 to against the Pittsburgh Steelers team, who is good and is very dangerous and deserves to be in this game, but I feel the Patriots are a team on a mission this year to, to paradise, to destiny. I do believe they will win this game and they will beat the Packers. But we'll talk about the Super Bowl preview next show because we just we just can't talk about that yet. It's too early, right? <laughs> Who's to say the Patriots will get past this game? LeVon Bell does scare me quite a bit as uh, as you look from the Patriots' side. LeVon Bell is extremely scary. He's been getting it done all season, and into the playoffs, he has been unstoppable for the most part. So that is the huge key for the Patriots to slow down LeVon Bell, at least contain him a bit. And then, of course, Tom Brady completing his passes to the key receivers. And again, I do believe Michael Floyd will emerge and be one of the heroes in this postseason as we continue to emerge. Don't be surprised if Bill Belichick pull out the Michael Floyd card some more and something good will happen. So we'll wrap things up. Patriots and Packers in the Super Bowl, like I predicted, all, all the way back in August. Again, check it out if you don't believe me. We'll get to fan interaction and wrap up the show right after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia Fan Interaction for the 600th episode of 
Paladino Live and all that because that's it's basically Paladino Live Productions if you want to put all the shows together in one thing. And I forgot to also mention earlier that Showtime and T-Wolves also adds about uh, it was 15 episodes for that and 22 for Paladino Live. So there you go. Over the course of time and all adds up to 600 shows. So rock and roll. 600th episode. Glad to get it done though. It's so cool. So cool to get to this point. And now it's off to 700 or 750 or whatever. And one day, one day I'll get to number 1000. And I do believe I still be here for that. Very likely. I don't think I'm going to be stepping away from podcasting. So off we go to Twitter at Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show. And regardless if it's an audio submission or just on Twitter, we are going to name Mad Martin's Takes. <laughs> We're going to name it Mad Martin's Mad Takes. So that will be the new name for that for now, for the segment. Uh, if there's a name change suggestion, it's out there. And I will look to possibly get some type of soundbite. So it's like, why not? Because especially when he does his audio submissions, Mad Martin's Mad Takes. I'll probably get some type of... Uh, a uh, little production put together for that. Not, nothing huge, of course, which it doesn't take a whole lot to put a, a little bit like that together. So, But uh, always fun, always fun. So here we go to Mad Martin's Mad Takes, the debut of that. <laughs> I was talking about what a depressing week of football, just yuck, absolute garbage. And that was, of course, week one, the wild card week, Mad Martin says. That's, of course, Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland. The effect it had on me was zzz, and thanks for the gold star, my friend. As to, as to a name, we'll have to think about that. And that's, of course, right now it'll be Mad Martin's Mad Takes, and we'll hear his reaction to that shortly as we wrap up the Twitter section. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. The information all will be in the show description. We'll continue talking about all that in a bit. Uh, Mad Martin continues saying, Another solid podcast, my friend, considering the rubbish games you had to review. No wonder the NFL figures are down. And yes, it was total rubbish. Rubbish. And thank you very much to Nate Brown out of New Zealand for liking and retweeting the show. Thank you so much for that. It only helps very much retweeting it to your friends out there in the Twitter world. Tene out of New Zealand. And Mad Martin continues saying, time for Tony to come into this game. That was, of course, Tony Romo. We're talking about the Cowboys and Packers now to come into this game. Stage too big for Dallas team so far. And yes, it was. They looked shell-shocked. Um, I do think the Cowboys have a nice future. And I was going to talk about this earlier, and I guess I'll do talk about it now since we're still on the topic. We're, we're back to it anyway. The Cowboys do have a nice future. Uh, you got Ezekiel Elliott, Des Bryant's still good. The defense is young. The offensive line is very young and because they've just been drafted basically very recently. So the Cowboys will still be around. This, this isn't like a window closing for them. At least I don't think so. Uh, Tony Romo won't be there, but of course he won't be the, he wasn't the starting quarterback anyway. Um, again, Elliott and Prescott just, just starting, just starting. And, uh, Witten is the guy I feel bad for a bit. Um, nice long career for him as a tight end of the Dallas Cowboys, but he's, he'll, he'll still be there. I don't think he's in a huge hurry to get out of the league, but we'll see. I, he looked very sad. And of course, uh, Jason Garrett, also the head coach of the Cowboys and former backup quarterback who wasn't very good years ago. <laughs> and he was the former quarterback coach, and it just keeps going on and on and on with Jason Garrett. The whole spiking idea. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Jerry Jones is very... He'll, he'll suddenly make harsh decisions and he'll fire people. Um, he, he, he fired Blanda years ago, which shocked probably a lot of people. That was back when head coaches could last 20-plus years in the NFL, even though even though their glory years were 20, 15, 15 years in the past or so, like Don Shula, who hung around with the Dolphins. But he just up and fired the guy, didn't let him step away at that stage. When a guy's been around that long, that'd be like a new owner coming in and, and firing Bud Grant. It's like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? Just because we're not like, you know, it, it's not Bud Grant's fault that the team isn't necessarily on 
in, in a spectacular place. Um, but he did bring in Jimmy Johnson. The success was good. And then he fires Jimmy Johnson after winning back-to-back Super Bowls because they weren't huggy, huggy and kissy. You bring in Barry Switzer. A couple of years later, you fire him. So, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever, right? Okay, now I'm going all over the place again. And that's why it's Mad Martin's Mad Takes. I love, 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 love the takes and keeps me very much interested. Um, he says, so true, we should have beat them. We should have beat this Dallas team. Uh, this Dallas team was never a legitimate contender, and we are seeing it today. And later on, we did see a bit of why they had such a good record, because they always come back no matter what. But yes, the Cowboys, I never thought they were going to win that game. And isn't that sad to think that? That the Packers were that hot and all that, that you never thought the Cowboys were going to win the game. I thought the New York Giants, I thought ultimately the New York Giants were going to beat the Packers and the Cowboys, but it didn't happen that way. It ended up being my original prediction. Because back at the beginning of the season, I wasn't big on the Giants at the start of the year. But I saw magazines had them making the playoffs and losing in the first round. Looks like the magazines were right about that. I thought if the Giants make the playoffs, off they go to the Super Bowl. We continue. Mad Martin says, well, at least it was the most entertaining game we've seen in the postseason. And, uh, well, I'm a Dirty Birds fan for a week now. Yep. Yep. And it would be nice to see the Falcons get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I would sure hate to see the Packers win. I don't think they will. I don't think they will win the Super Bowl. If it's the Steelers and Packers, I kind of do think they'll win. Just like a couple years ago, I think it would be a very similar game, actually, where the Packers would kind of pull away and win. That would suck. Uh, it would be a very close game, and the Packers would pull away, just like it was last time around, where the Steelers were pretty strong in that game until the end, when they started fumbling and Rodgers started getting more and more into completion world there. Uh, Mad Martin, this uh, last two last two little takes here. He says, it is nice to have one that went down to the wire looking forward to the next game. And that one's going to be great. He says, no, it's nothing like a touch of madness when I asked him about the conversation. Yeah, we were talking about without a doubt it was the best playoff game so far. And that's what he was saying. He's looking forward to the next game. And I says, how does Mad Martin's mad take sound? Keeping it simple, at least for starters. And he says, like it, nothing like a touch of madness. And that's exactly what it is, a touch of madness. That's also another way of, uh, that's also another nickname, maybe we'll say to the segment, a touch of madness. So we head to Facebook world. First of all, I will give a quick shout out to uh, MN Vikings Haven, MN Vikings Haven, created by Trevor Wickerwin out there, who's kind enough to let me post a link to the Purple Mafia show on there, which will lead you to this show. For those of you that have joined, that have joined in the listening with this one, from that page, thank you very much and welcome aboard. Please tell your friends about the show. And again, please, those of you out there, do join. I'm in Vikings Haven, for those of you that haven't yet. Um, off to my page, please do join this one as well. It is facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. Facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. Or just look up purple mafia, Minnesota, show, Minnesota Vikings show. And then click on one that says company, not group. Company, not group. Don't join the, don't join the uh, Facebook group. Join the page, okay? That's all there is to that. Ah, uh, yes. Multiple things happening here. Wow, lots of commentary on the last episode. Yeah, because, oh yeah, Cedric Paulding asking a lot of things. Mark Carlson says, making Mondays great again. I love it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And I know what that is a reference to, and I'm all on board with that. 100%. He says, listening to your rant on Odell Beckham Jr. Ha ha, so true. I don't like players like that, no matter how good they are. When they are cocky or whining, I am turned off. And all I want to say is I enjoy hearing from Mad Martin again this week. Thanks for making my Monday great again. Yes, sir. And it is great again. Thank you very much. We will make Mondays great again. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, Mad Martin getting very popular, um, and that's cool, and he's earned it, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Cedric Paulding, and this guy is another name I need to be mentioning about the 600 episodes. He's been around for a while. Uh, originally referred from Dylan Richardson. They were military buddies back in the day in the Navy there. In the Navy, in the Navy, yes, sir. Um, I love the Navy. And if I ever joined the military back in the day, it was always, always going to be the Navy. It was never going to be the Army, never going to be the Marines. And the Air Force, I don't think I qualify for that. That's a bit out of my league. I don't think I'm going to be fighting any, I don't think I'm going to be flying a billion dollar planes. So (laughs) the Navy though. Yes, absolutely. I could see myself with a sailor hat and uh, I prefer not to go on a submarine. That scares the crap out of me. But uh, aircraft carrier, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, what do you see the Vikings going in a free agency in the draft? Um, I think they will approach Offensive line in for, for free agency and most likely a linebacker of some sorts, along with the draft, though. Both. Um, offensive line and at least one linebacker. As for the draft also, I would not be surprised if the Vikings took three or four offensive linemen. We've heard takes in this town of them taking eight offensive linemen in the draft. You're like, that's not going to happen, though. Um, I understand why you would do it because, okay, you just throw darts. You get offensive linemen at every spot and hope two or three stick. If you take four, two or three might stick, and they might end up being really good. Remember the years ago when the Packers took like one defensive back after another in the draft, and a couple of them ended up becoming real good, and because of because the Vikings had drafted Randy Moss, and next thing you know, the Packers secondary was good for a while there. It was downright outstanding, actually, and I think the Vikings will take three or four offensive linemen in the draft. I do believe one running back will be taken in the draft. Will he be a, will he be just a decent kind of a special team type of guy who's like a kind of a quirky kind of guy, maybe like third down type of running back, like a Jarek McKinnon, who was a nice draft pick in the third round a couple of years ago. Will he be like that or will he be better? Will he be one of those guys that emerges nicely like a like a Jordan for the uh, for the Chicago Bears or even a Ty Montgomery who wasn't originally a running back and became a damn good one for Green Bay when they needed one. I do believe the Vikings will take at least one running back in the draft. And if they take even one receiver, unless it's in the sixth round or something, I mean... There's no need to do that, so no. Um, uh, will AP back? Will AP be back next season? And I really appreciate these questions, Cedric. It's nice to get uh, some serious Viking talk here on here. I really appreciate the conversation, um, and I chose to respond to them on here rather than uh, on there. It's just better on the show. So I hope you're listening, Cedric. I really do. Um, awesome. <laughs> Will AP be back next year? No, he will not be back. What's the deal with uh, Sharif Floyd? He's injury prone, and when he gets hurt, he stays hurt, it seems. And uh, Mike Zimmer's been frustrated with him. When he's healthy, he's pretty good. He's inconsistent, but he's pretty good when he's healthy and when he's on. Uh, I think they're going to bring him back, but not 100% set in stone. But uh, really, he, he he's a guy that would be worth keeping. But if you really, really want to make a splash into free agency and get a really big name offensive lineman, Maybe Sharif Floyd is gone, but AP for sure will be gone for that same very reason. Again, a linebacker, at least one linebacker is going to be taken in the draft because every single year at least one linebacker is taken in the draft, be it for special teams or maybe he can be a situational linebacker or who knows, maybe he ends up being another, uh, you know, Kendricks. So who knows what's going to happen with that one, Eric Kendricks type of talent. Anthony Barr needs to step it the hell up, though, yes. Uh, Cedric Paulding says, I know we have a lot of injuries, but how do we fix our O-line issues? 
draft and free agency and hope for the best. Um, Matt Khalil, I think, will be brought back to be the left tackle unless they really, 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 really have an opinion on a guy and they're able to get him. But Matt Khalil will be back. Uh, and then I think there's going to be, he's going to be tested. He's going to be tested with some of the acquisitions. And there's going to be several acquisitions for the offensive line because this is a good football team that if you're able to put together a nice foundation at that offensive line in front of Sam Bradford or Teddy Bridgewater, you're going to have a, you're going to have a very good football team. One that could beat the Dallas Cowboys. One that hopefully will beat the Packers. One that damn well better beat the Packers because the Packers aren't always this good. It's every couple years they get hot like this and they make a run. I hope this isn't 2010 again. Hopefully it's 2014. Maybe, but maybe with a little bit better and then it'll, they'll run out of gas in the Super Bowl. But like how 14, they got far, but they didn't win. So maybe that's what it'll be. It's fun to watch them make a playoff run. I won't deny that. It actually is a little bit fun to watch as long as they don't win the Super Bowl. That's what drives us absolutely nuts. It's fun to watch in terms of like, okay, it's somebody to root against in like the bigger games, you know, that type of thing. And I don't know. It was nice to see somebody beat up on Seattle a little bit because <laughs> I hate Seattle so much. I almost hate them more than the Packers. Almost. Yes, uh, that's so much I hate the Seahawks. Uh, Cedric Paulding finally wraps up his section with, Will Terrence Newman be back after he had a secondary mutiny? I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, they're saying it wasn't as bad as it may have sounded. They're kind of downplaying it like it's not a big deal, and they're kind of moving on from it. So it's more of an age thing than anything. I don't know. I don't know. He was very good during the season. But he plays a position, again, that requires quickness, and how much longer will he be around? Another position of need in the free agency and draft, though, is safety. Absolutely, and I almost forgot to say this. Anderson Dehu is a band-aid at best, and he's not—he's just not that good, and he gets hurt all the time. You need another safety to join Harrison Smith. I, I don't like Anderson Dehu. Uh, Harris is all right. Al Harris is okay. Um, um, uh, the other one, uh, Jerome Curse, is okay as well. J. Ron Curse, Jerome Curse, pardon me. That's a little different guy there. J. Ron Curse is a decent safety, but you know what? Bring in some competition. Bring in some competition and let him make the best man win. Is he a good? Is he end up being a second? Is he a second, third round type of guy? But I don't think they'll be taking a safety that high. I think you need to take linemen unless there's just absolutely nothing and all the the, the top linemen available are like fourth, fifth round type of talent. Then the hell with it. And if there's like a nice safety there that might end up being like a Clinton Dix type of talent, get him, get him. You know, I mean, why the hell not? So there it is. Gerald String says, great show. Mad Martin should have got two gold stars. Awesome takes. He's officially got my hopes to get up again for next season. Skull Vikings. And yeah, there you go. Like how, uh, there was a slight disagreement of like the uh, positivity of the future of the Vikings. I think it's there. It's just, you know, obviously history is frustrating with this team. Beyond human recognition. And all of you know it's all the way up from Cedric that lived far away to us that live in Minnesota, this and that, the people that live in California, Nebraska, Iowa, Scotland, wherever, we all know how frustrating the postseason, and of course, just in general, this Viking team can be with all the high hopes in the first five weeks, first six weeks, first eight weeks, first 12 weeks, and then down she goes, baby, when it matters, and it's damn freaking frustrating. The Minnesota Wild are a team right now that looks like they are absolutely serious, and I encourage you to listen to Braid the Wild not just because it's my podcast and I want you to listen to it to get to get some more people on it, and that would be nice, but because that is a team that is worthy of your following right now. They are winning games on national television on the road 
against the best of the best of the best and teams that used to own and mock this franchise like the like the like the Chicago Blackhawks and the Montreal Canadiens, the Dallas Stars, teams like that, Anaheim Ducks. That team is absolutely looking like something magical right now. And and not just magical like a one-year run. They look like a team that has a lot of potential for for uh for for quite a while here as long as uh, as long as Bruce Boudreaux sticks around and as long as he doesn't have a shelf life like some NHL coaches and some NFL coaches as well. So there it is. That'll I believe well no, that's not going to wrap everything up. No, 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 no. <laughs> Linval Joseph officially named to the Pro Bowl. He didn't get voted in, which is frustrating, but he got named to the reserve immediately, and he deserves to be in there without a doubt. The San Diego Chargers are moving to Los Angeles, California, and it's the Dodgers logo with a lightning bolt and the Yankees background. So it's baseball football. Isn't that great? They're moving to Los Angeles. Woohoo. Uh, Sebastian said they, they'll change names. And they're not going to change names. It's going to be the Chargers, because LA never does that. They took the freaking Lakers. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, here, a team that uh, they named their the, the name is named after ships that go through the Great Lakes. That's what a Laker is. Nothing to do with L.A., is it? Maybe the L.A. liners, like ocean liners. Why not do that? But no, they didn't. The Clippers, San Diego Clippers, a sailboat town, a navy town that uh, you know the Cedrics and the uh, and the uh, Dale and Richardsons could appreciate. A navy town, sailboats and all that, a sailor town. Oh, guess what? Too bad. We're going to kill them, the, the Los Angeles Clippers. We're not going to change the name. I, it's a cool name and everything, and I love sailboats, but they're not yours, damn it, L.A. I suppose sailboats can be a little bit more relative than Lakers. That is the Great Lakes of Minnesota, and, of course, upper, well, it, it could be Michigan or something, too. But come on, man. Come on. Isn't that BS that, the, that, that L.A. does that? And the Rams were theirs. So I'm not mad at them for getting the Rams back, even though they kind of screwed over a nice market in St. Louis, Missouri. That kind of sucks. Um, the Raiders maybe will move to Las Vegas. Maybe they'll stay in Oakland. But it is what it is. They will never be the L.A. Raiders again. They're not going to have three towns in L.A., are they? That would be BS, man. That's too much. Sebastian was saying, uh, it's reported they will change names, but that ended up not happening. He says in, 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 in 1960, they were the L.A. Chargers, too. That's true. Um, in the history, it's interesting how history goes back that far. Mark Carlson says I don't like the logo, and Sebastian says I don't hate the new logo. Just saying, it's the Do- it's all the Dodgers have. When I was saying it's barely a logo at all, and yep, that's all the Dodgers have. <laughs> so Gerald String wrapping up this section, saying I'm not sure, but wasn't U.S. Bank Stadium about 1.1 billion dollars? They wanted a $1.8 billion stadium? Seriously? Not sure I blame the community for voting that down. I know it's a business deal, but the NFL is becoming over-the-top greedy, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, you just want to watch the replay of a game. You know, a replay of a game, and it's like $100 a year minimum for that. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, you can't even watch preseason without paying paying for it now. Preseason. Come on, people. And the NBA sucks, too, with that category. They all suck. The NHL's probably got the cheapest thing going on where you can watch parts of games or something for like 3 bucks a month. That's not too bad sometimes. Or 24 where it's like a monthly subscription. They don't make you commit for the whole year. The NHL's a little bit better. And they're still not geniuses either. And I was saying I think I might go 4-0 in my predictions this week. Gerald Swing says, yep, agreed with all four. And was 4-4 four for four last week. Wow, nice. Next week I'll be heading... Our separate ways, Steelers versus Falcons in the Super Bowl. Whoa, opposite, huh? Particularly today, do you think having a clutch kicker matters? Wow, unbelievable. Yeah, it matters all right. That was the Steelers kicker. 
I was hoping the Packers would pull that off so they can get so they can go get their ass kicked in Atlanta next week. If Pittsburgh finishes this tonight, they will give Brady a run for his money. I think could be potential classic AFC Championship. NFC, I guess, for that matter, could be fun to watch. If Kansas City somehow pulls this off, it will be easy. It'll be an easy win for your Patriots, and I agree for that. Um, he says getting getting jacked up for the big 100, and I hope you enjoyed the festivities. It wasn't like a huge giant production, but it was fun to talk about, and I really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed it, and I can I can still talk about it some more in the future as well. Uh, let's say in the visitor post department. That is it, I believe. Nope. Uh, Brent Jacobson will wrap things up, and I like this take right here a lot. What would you think about the idea of the Vikings reuniting with Mike Tice, this time as offensive line coach, which is what he used to be in the late 90s and early 2000s? Since Bill Musgrave, the gravedigger, was let go by the Raiders, I believe that Tice is available. He would improve our O-line drastically. Pardon me. I agree. I have always liked Mike Tice as an offensive line coach. Um, It's too bad he didn't get a chance to be offensive coordinator of the Vikings first. He kind of had to go from O-line to head coach. He was tight ends and then O-line under Dennis Green in the past. Just an awesome offensive line coach. They always did well. I mean, we had the best Vikings offensive line since the the McTinglehoffs of the day in the the 70s. It was just awesome. And the Vikings have had a good history at O-line over the years. It was like the early 90s. There was a little struggle or mid-mid-90s when uh, Corey Springer was just getting started. But boy, when he got in stride, it was the best O-line in the league in the late 90s. You had the Jeff Christie's and Todd Stussy's. And, and Mike Tice did a hell of a job putting those guys together and uh, scheming things correctly. And of course, Brian Billick was a genius offensive coordinator, and I miss him dearly. I would love to have Mike Tice be the offensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings with a developing group of offensive linemen, maybe some veterans, uh, maybe maybe not. Uh, Berger will be most likely back as a guard. Uh, Nick Easton at right now will be the starting center for the Vikings, a young guy we acquired from the 49ers in the Gerald Hodges trade. So we'll see what happens. Um, a fourth-round pick and Nick Easton. So maybe that'll end up being a pretty good trade, as much as I like Gerald Hodges. Um, apparently character issues were kind of slowing him down with this franchise and made him kind of made the Vikings part ways at them. But uh, Nick Easton, he was all right. I hated that fumble when he couldn't even pick the ball up. That was kind of ridiculous, where he couldn't even pick the ball up on a snap. Not sure what happened there. Hopefully that's a one-time thing. It'll never happen again, damn it. <laughs> it didn't help the Vikings cause in that Packer game. That was kind of BS. Um, but there it is. At res of right now, Nick Easton's a starting center. Maybe he'll end up being a backup at some point as we get possibly some better uh, offensive linemen in. In, in the fold, as it will happen during this offseason. There will be an insane uh, there will be an insane plan to get offensive linemen in this town ASAP. There has to be otherwise this team is done. So you're just, we're just wasting time and we're going to get somebody else hurt. It's not worth it. And, we'll, and it'll be a dead end too. It'll be like driving right into a yellow sign that says dead end and then off a cliff into death. Yeah, <laughs> into oblivion. All right, enough is enough. I want to thank you guys so very much for your support, your loyalty over many, 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 many shows. Some of you that have listened to multiple shows like Timberwolves Explosion, Brave the Wild, and this one, and even Showtime and T-Wolves are all the way back to Paladino Live. Maybe some of you are out there. God bless you. Thank you very much for making this possible because I couldn't do it without you. I couldn't do it without Dylan Richardson and others out there in the past. Farzine Vasugian brought me in. He's a Kansas City Chiefs guy. We kind of parted our ways because of some kind of silly disagreements over the course of time, but it, it is what it is. He kind of 
kind of gave me the shaft a little bit. And it is what it is. Not everybody's going to agree with everything in politics and such. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, some people can handle it better than others. So some people can't. But he did refer me to Dylan Richardson from, from YouTube when I started my Paladino Live on Yahoo days. It's still out there on Yahoo. You could look that up if you want. I did video podcasts, you could say, on Yahoo. About four-minute shows after each game. And I took two hours to make with the editing and stuff. Crazy how much time-consuming that is to do a video. I'm, I've always been more of a radio guy than video, even though some people say my video talents are pretty good. I don't know. You decide. <laughs> I, I made them. You decide. <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm just making up something there. But I want to thank you guys very much for your loyalty. I hope the... I hope the, the important players in this weekend stay healthy. We, we have some good, solid football. And hopefully the teams we hate lose and the teams we like win. It is what it is. You get the idea. We'll see what happens. I hope the, I personally hope the Patriots come back and win one more. And maybe that'll be it. All of you that want them to go away, maybe they will after that. I mean, five Super Bowls has never been done by a quarterback and head coach, ever. By a franchise, sure. The Cowboys have five Super Bowls, and the Steelers have six. So there you go. And the 49ers have five, and they look like they're a trillion years away from number six. <laughs> the Steelers, though, are going for number seven, which would put them in, uh, would put some more distance in between them and the Cowboys and 49ers. Packers looking for their fifth to join the five Super Bowl club. Let's keep them away from that, Atlanta and or New England or Pittsburgh. God, I don't really want Pittsburgh to win, though. They've got enough, so hell with that. Thanks again for listening. God bless. Tell your friends about the show. Please give a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you all very much. Uh, I should mention there's a call-in line, which is 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for a Purple Mafia statement, shout-out, question, comment, whatever it is. Keep it from a minute to three or so. Greatly appreciated. Man Martin, always an open door for you. Again, I, did, I mentioned the phone line. And then there's the, the call now button on the Facebook page, which will literally con- connect you to the same line via Facebook Messenger if you're international. Or you could go the audio submission route, which Man Martin does, where you record it on your audio device, whatever it is, phone or whatever, with your uh, audio, your free audio recorder. Treat it like a phone call. Email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. All the information, again, will be in the show description on iTunes or Stitcher or Double Twist. Thanks again, God bless, and we'll talk to you next week.